This weekend, we are taking communion together, so you have some time right now at home to grab the bread, the juice. We're going to take these elements, unite, seek Jesus, and worship together in this way. Also, this weekend, we are concluding our series, and as we wrap it up, we're going to really finish the way the Bible finishes, which includes a battle and a victory. Jesus is prevailing. There's a lot of hope and encouragement in that statement and in that truth. Also, as we look forward to this summer, we're going to be going through the book of Isaiah together, and you might want to read ahead through the book of Isaiah. It's a series we're looking forward to. We're going to dive into this significant prophet in the Old Testament as well, as he speaks to the souls of the people and also to the nation. That's the book of Isaiah this summer. Let's pray together as we seek the Lord. Father God, thank you that we can be together. Thanks how you provide, how you protect us. And Lord, we pray that you deliver us from the evil one. Jesus, you told us to pray this way. Deliver us from the evil one. And we rely on you, your power, your grace, your truth. We want to be in alignment in every part of our lives with you, Jesus, as we give you praise together. We pray in your name. Amen. Friday nights has a new tradition for us as a family, and it's come in the last three months. That's homemade pizza in watching a movie together. So that's something positive and new that's come in the last three months. On Friday night, we watched the movie Prince Caspian, which is a classic, and going back to the C.S. Lewis story, of course, and the series as well. And in this story, there's an intense battle. Maybe you've felt like you've been in an intense battle recently. And in this battle, we have little Lucy who's looking to Aslan. And you just want to encourage her and say, keep listening to Aslan. Stay close to Aslan. And there's a lot of deep spiritual truth in the story, but ultimately we're waiting for Aslan to prevail. And it's so true in many fictitious stories. There's a battle between good and evil, and you're waiting and you just want the goodness to prevail. And, you know, spoiler alert there, uh, Aslan's mighty, and it's great to see Aslan in action. But we have a longing in our hearts to see Jesus in action right now. We need Jesus. And as we look back in history, we see some battles. Presently, there's some different battles. And how does the Bible end with a battle and a victory? Jesus prevails. We're going to see this played out in Luke chapter 11, and it's a spiritual battle. And there's three truths that I want to highlight from this passage. The first one is you are in a spiritual battle. I'm in a spiritual battle. We're both in a spiritual battle every day, and Jesus gives us power. Jesus gives us power in the middle of the spiritual battle that we face. Starting in verse 14, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed But some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he's driving out the demons. Others tested Jesus by asking for a sign from heaven. Now in this spiritual battle, we have the seen and the unseen. In our lives right now, we have the seen and the unseen. There is so much more than what we see. Both the seen and the unseen are real. And in the Bible, the unseen is primary. Often what's happening in the unseen realm, and that includes what God is doing, what the devil's trying to do, it gets played out in visible waves. But there is a whole scene behind the scene that we're watching unfold every day. Now, these are historic times. Many experiences we've never had before. 
And some memes are pretty clever. Here's one that I found uh, tying into the book of Revelation. That's me looking outside to see what chapter of Revelation we're doing today. Doesn't it kind of feel like that? Have you ever read the book of Revelation? It's the last book in the Bible and there's seals, trumpets, bowls, and there's just more challenges that keep coming. It gets more intense the closer we get to the return of Christ. That's both a little bit daunting, but also very encouraging. Life gets more and more intense the closer we get to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, Demons are in the unseen realm. Luke refers to demons 16 times. It's a theme throughout the Bible. The devil starting in Genesis and demons. The devil was such a very powerful uh, archangel who then wanted to be above God and rebelled. Demons, other angels who also rebelled with the devil. Now, uh, as this plays out, uh, Jesus drives out the demon. There's a man who wasn't able to speak. And when Jesus drives out the demon, the man could speak. And as you read that story, you might think, I've never witnessed that before in my life. I can't imagine what that would be like, well, to see Jesus or to see a devil driven out of somebody and then they could talk. Well, maybe we haven't seen that exact scenario, but what does the devil want to do? The devil wants to block us uh, when it comes to singing the praise of Jesus. The devil wants us to be quiet and not sing his praise. The devil doesn't want us to pray. The devil wants us to be silent instead of praying. The devil doesn't want us to share the gospel and our story and the good news about Jesus. The devil wants to silence us. So in many ways, the devil continues to do the same work on different levels. But Jesus helps us overcome the devil. And there's a parallel story in Matthew chapter 12 where not only could the person not speak, but also couldn't see, and the devil was blinding. But when Jesus drives out the devil, then sight is restored. And again, you might think, I've never actually seen that played out, but the devil works in similar ways when we can't see the truth, when we look at God's word and we can't see the spiritual depths in God's word. We can't see Jesus. We can't see God's plan. We can't see the vision. We can't see his will. Sometimes we're blinded. The Bible says the devil tries to keep people blinded so they will never follow Jesus. They will never receive his love, fall in love with him. We're blinded and we need the Lord's power in this spiritual battle. Not every trial is a demon involved. Uh, I say the Mariners haven't made the playoffs in a long time. That's not a Mariners demon. You know, In-N-Out Burger hasn't made it up to Washington yet. That's not an In-N-Out Burger demon. Uh, You might have slow Wi-Fi. That's not necessarily a slow Wi-Fi demon. And you might have car troubles. That might be a demon. Car trouble is a little different. That might be a demon. But we want to be careful that we're not just hyper-demonized and talking about demons all the time. That would be excessive and foolish. Uh, But what we do know from the Bible, in John chapter 10, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what demons look to do, steal, kill, and destroy. And when we see destruction and killing and thieves, and we see this played out in our lives, sometimes people want to say, that's just humans. That's just humans making bad decisions. And that is true. We have a responsibility as humans. And the devil can't make us do anything. But the the Bible clearly points out that what we see is not just activity with humans, but there's also demonic forces and the devil's trying to do things, steal, kill, and destroy. And he will work through people 
who are going to let him have that kind of power in their lives. But the devil can't make us do anything. Uh, But what do we do when we know that they're both the actions that are happening, but there's also this spiritual battle? How do we respond to knowing that there's an unseen realm? And the Bible's very clear. In Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. That's right, the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. So we wrestle. We wrestle with these principalities. We wrestle with the spiritual battle that goes beyond just the human realm. And as we wrestle, what are we going to do? We're going to be strong. We're going to put on the armor of God. That includes prayer. That includes the gospel. That includes the word of God. We're going to put on this armor of God because uh, we know that there's a battle and we're going to find our strength in the Lord and we're going to stand firm in the middle of the battle. God wants to give us the armor, the protection, the power that we need when we receive it from him. Now, I've been on Zoom quite a bit, a lot of meetups on Zoom, and there was one particular gathering recently. It was pastors across the country, and at the moment, it was an early morning gathering, so I put on a button-up shirt, kind of like this one, and I just kept on my pajamas. There's some plaid pajamas. It wasn't really a match, but I didn't expect anyone to just see anything else except my face. Well, as the meeting progressed, and it was a little long, you get preachers together, meetings go a little long. It went longer than I thought. The battery on my laptop was wearing out, and I realized I needed more juice, more power, and it was on the other side of the room. Without even thinking about what I was wearing, I walked over to the other side of the room, grabbed the battery, walked back, and I started to realize I'm in my pajamas and everyone can see it. Now, uh, the leader of the group was talking at the time, and so maybe people were so locked in that no one made any comments in chat room or anything like that. But I just quickly got back to my chair. Maybe they just think, oh, that's West Coast. They're just wild out in the West Coast. That's what they do. But in any case, it was embarrassing. And as if that wasn't enough, uh, happened a second time when one of our kids was with their classroom on Zoom, and I didn't even know, and I just walked right past him and uh, just made a quick appearance with my pajamas. So that's my sin for the week. Uh, You confess yours in the chat room right now, Facebook comments. Uh, But it was a mistake. I was in pajamas. I was wearing the wrong clothes. And sometimes in the spiritual battle, we're just in the wrong clothes. And we need the armor of God. We say, you got to go ahead and get dressed. You better put on the armor of God because this situation's too intense to be walking around in pajamas. Ephesians chapter 6, put on the full armor of God. Jesus in his power is going to drive out a demon. And that's one event. That's one part of the story. But then he's also, there's the reaction of the people. And isn't that true in life? There's the event 
And then there's how people respond. And both can get pretty complicated. There's the event where Jesus drives out the demon, and then there's the response of the people. And there's two responses. The first one is denial, and it's denial with a twist and an accusation. And it's a claim that uh, Jesus is driving out the demons with the power of the devil. By Beelzebub, the lord of the, the princes, the leader of the demons, he's driving out demons. And I'll tell you, With Jesus, so often, he would do what's right, and he's told it's wrong. When you follow Jesus, you're going to do what's right, and people are going to tell you it's wrong. You're going to say what's right, they're going to tell you it's wrong. Why? It happened to Jesus. The world, Jesus is countercultural. The world doesn't understand the ways of Jesus. So they criticized him, even though he just drove out a demon. And then the other one was a reaction of doubt. First was denial with accusations. The second is doubt. And right after he drives out the demons, they're like, all right, Jesus, give us a sign. Give us a sign. It's like, wait a second. What? Are you not listening? Like every word that that man is now saying is another miracle, another reminder, another clue of the goodness of God. And, and just open up your ears. Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Well, hear the evidence. It's right here. There's a sign. He just drove out the demon. Now the man can speak and they're asking for a sign. I want to tell you, there's a lot of people in life, you're never going to satisfy them. It doesn't matter how truthful you are. It doesn't matter how humble you are. It doesn't matter if your intentions were honorable before the Lord. They're going to see things. They're they're not going to be satisfied. And we see this played out in Jesus's life. It's par for the course when you follow the Lord. People are going to say you're doing wrong when you're doing what's right. And they're never going to be satisfied. They're just going to hold things against you and say, nope, that's not enough. And that's the posture that Jesus faced and we face it too. And as I think about our kids... Our kids love superheroes. If you have children, maybe they like superheroes. There's just something about superheroes where there's a battle and it's good and evil and you want the goodness to prevail. We had a game around our dinner table recently. Uh, If you have kids, we just, one at a time, name a superhero. We went around the table so many times. There's a lot of superheroes. We have a culture that's so interested and fascinated with superheroes. Why is that? Maybe because we know that there's a real battle. Maybe because this picture of the battle kind of gives us an example of something that we know is right in the middle of our world. Maybe it's interesting. Maybe we're longing for a hero. Maybe we're longing for a rescue. We really are, aren't we? We're longing for a rescue. And superheroes ultimately just remind us how much we need the Savior. We need the real Jesus. And Jesus comes with a rescue. And he doesn't just take care of everything for us. He also works through us in the spiritual battle. Let's take a look at John chapter 14. And starting in verse 12, here's encouragement from Jesus. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Incredible words and truths that God through the Holy Spirit is going to do incredible things around the world through us. And Jesus knew the Holy Spirit was coming and Jesus knew that we were going to pray and we were going to pray in his name. Now, uh, you might ask, well, do you pray in Jesus' name? I do. I say that. I say that. 
Well, a lot of people don't say in Jesus' name. I'd encourage you to pray in Jesus' name. Why? Because it's biblical. Because Jesus said it. If Jesus says it, that's good enough for me, then I'm going to pray it. And not just necessarily as like a little phrase at the very end, uh, although you can pray it at the end of a prayer, but you can pray it in the middle of a prayer. And it's more than the phrase. It's so much more than the phrase. When you're praying in Jesus' name, what you're saying is, I'm relying on you, Jesus. I'm calling on your power. I'm in alignment with you. Jesus, with your authority, I'm praying this. Uh, May it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, we need your help. I encourage you to pray in Jesus' name. There's power in Jesus' name. There's power in the word of God. The word of God is living and active. You know, as you read John chapter 14 and you get that in your spirit, it's like you come alive and you're like, yes, in the spiritual battle, there's power for us. There's power in the word of God. Let me ask you, do you use the word of God in the spiritual battle? I'd encourage you to do so. Say, well, why? Why would we rely and use God's word, the Bible, in the spiritual battles of our life? It'll renew your mind. It's living and active. And you know what? It was good enough for Jesus. What did Jesus do when the devil came three times? He kept saying, it is written. And he would quote more scripture and quote more scripture and quote more scripture. Drove the devil away. When you stand on the word of God, you believe it, you proclaim it, you say it, you think about it. It is powerful. And in the spiritual realm, light starts to shine. It's powerful. Praying in Jesus' name, the word of God, God does mighty things. Let's be strong in the Lord. Uh, let's not be walking around in our pajamas when we should have the armor of God. God wants to clothe you with power from on high. Receive his power. And then what do we do with his power? This leads to the next point, which is let's guard our spiritual unity. Check out verse 17. Guarding our spiritual unity. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Over and over again in the Gospel of Luke, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the king is here. Nearness to the king. The kingdom, it's right now and it's future. It's already started and there'll be a final consummation and it's all centered around the king. The king. Have a kingdom mindset. And the Bible says, have the mind of Christ. Let's imitate Jesus and have the mind of Christ. It's profound what Jesus says. A kingdom divided against itself will not stand. A house divided against itself will not stand. My, 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 as we used to say in my church in Dallas, Texas. My, 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 well, well, well. A house divided against itself will not stand. And here's two points Jesus makes. For that context, he says, now, You're saying I'm driving out the demon with the power of the devil. That doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. Why would the devil drive out demons? The devil doesn't drive out darkness. That theory is ridiculous. It's illogical. It's not true. That's his first point. Second point, he says, I'm driving out demons with the power of God. And by the way, your followers also are trying to drive out demons with the power of God. So if you condemn me, you're really condemning your own followers. You're trying to form a double standard here, and that's not going to work. 
Jesus refutes them twice. A house divided against itself will not stand. What's the implication for us? I believe that one of the greatest temptations and traps today, the time we're living in right now, is division. A divided house will fall. Say, well, how could there be division? You know, what are some causes? There's a difference between differences and division. We can have different opinions, different perspectives. That doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have division. That's different. Um, I might have said different too many times. Uh, Here's a couple differences that I'm seeing surface. Some people right now say COVID is very serious. Other people say the virus, it's very minor. Some people wear masks, some don't. I put on a mask as I was going out to a place with a lot of people around, and I had someone come up to me. And uh, I think they were sincere. They loved Jesus, but they said, oh, so you're walking in fear, huh? Wearing a mask, walking in fear. I was like, no, I'm not walking in fear. I'm just putting on a mask. And then people who do wear masks can look around and say, people who aren't, well, they're just being selfish. They're being irresponsible. They're being foolish. And what can happen? There can be strife. Some people, in terms of reopening businesses, reopening church, just reopening. Some people think it should happen right now. Some think it should happen pretty soon. Some think it shouldn't happen for quite a while. There's a range, right? And then uh, politics, which I'm glad we don't endorse candidates. We don't get into politics here. Uh, But you think about the political climate right now, and there can be pretty polarizing stuff going on. And then there's protests And then people want to ask, are you going? Are you not going? Why are you going? Why are you not going? Which agenda is at that protest? And people are trying to sort through all that. There's an autonomous zone right now in Seattle. It's getting national attention. There's so many things going on. And what I keep hearing from people right now in these days is that it's overwhelming. It is just overwhelming trying to navigate through so many different things and then seeing people be so harsh to each other. So what do we do? This is what we do. We receive the Holy Spirit, we come back to the Word of God. We come back to the Bible. We open up the Bible and we want to have the mind of Christ. What does the Bible say as we uh, soak in the truth? The Bible emphasizes a couple things. Prayer, unity, justice, and love. You're going to see those themes throughout God's Word because it's coming from God's heart. Prayer, unity, justice, and love. You say, well, specifically under those headings, what are some of the specific truths that are so relevant today? I started to write them down. All of us are made in God's image. Every single person is made in the image of God. The Bible says we're all wonderfully made. The first truth from Genesis 1, Psalm 139, we're all wonderfully made. God has knit us together in our mother's womb. Every single person has value. Every single person in Jesus' eyes is so valuable that he was willing to die for every single person person, he loves everyone that much. If God loves everyone that much, then I kind of think we should love everyone so well, so well. And then everyone has equal value. We're all in the human race. Our lineage, well, it all goes back to Adam and Eve for all of us. Uh, And then, you know, some people say, I don't see color. And that might be well-intentioned, But God made us in many different colors and it's beautiful, the diversity he's made us. In his image, a lot of diversity. We celebrate and we see the diversity. That's biblical. We don't deny diversity. And then also, uh, when you think about 
God's family. We're talking about people from all nations. Jesus has one body, the Bible says. One body. He wants us to be united. It's called the body of Christ. We all have the same Holy Spirit. The purpose is glorify the Lord, enjoy the Lord, and we're going to be with each other forever. So as it is in heaven, may it be done on earth. That is a foundation of who God is, how he views us, how we treat each other, and we need to be biblical. We want to be in alignment. We want to be in the spirit, not the flesh. And when that foundation is solid, then a non-anxious presence comes out and we can walk through the most difficult stuff. And we're facing some difficult stuff. But let's think about it from a biblical perspective. Uh, When there's injustice, we know God is against injustice. And we see a lot of injustice. Now more people have phones and so videos. Uh, injustice is not new, but we're seeing it uh, over and over in some different ways right now. God is always against injustice. If one civilian is uh, mistreating another, God doesn't want that. If law enforcement mistreats a civilian, God doesn't want that. If civilians mistreat law enforcement, God doesn't want that. God doesn't want anyone to mistreat someone else. So we need meaningful change. We want to tackle injustice. We want to see harmony together, and we want to do it in a way that honors the Lord. God is against injustice. What about hatred? We know from the Bible, God is against hatred. With hatred, there's usually a lot of pain. So what's needed is restoration. God will guide us in the restoration process. We grieve, we listen, we understand, we heal, we forgive. God is against hatred. What about racism? God is against racism. You see it throughout the whole Bible. God rejecting racism, Jesus against racism. Here's a result from a 2019 Pew Research survey, and race relations in the U.S. is bad. That was 2019, not 2020. Majority of people saying race relations in the U.S. is bad. Seven out of 10 were saying it's getting worse in 2019, and 64% say it's a major problem in the U.S., We want to reject racism as followers of Jesus. And what kind of stance, what kind of posture? It's one where God calls followers of Jesus to lead, to be united, to have a different example than what's going on in the world, to be proactive. And it's more than just how much diversity is in one room in terms of numbers. It's so much more than just being in the same room. It's a closeness, a love, a trust, a friendship in healing. And this kind of unity is so powerful. It's just so good. It's so enjoyable. Uh, there's a phrase called the thin places, the thin spaces, the, the in between heaven and earth, when it starts to feel thin and you feel God's presence and, and God's love, those thin places, when God shows up, and I'll tell you when there's true unity and love and closeness, you feel God's presence. The, it feels like it just gets thin between heaven and earth because we become more like heaven. God wants to bring that kind of unity through people who will trust him filled with the Holy Spirit. All of this points us to how much we need Jesus. Injustice, hatred, racism, we need Jesus. We need meaningful change. We need to be passionate, but we need to be humble. We need to honor each other, and as we come together and unite listening to each other, praying, we're going to trust God's power. Ultimately, in the decision, we're going to go with God's word, not the world. You're going to read so much. It can get overwhelming on social media. You're going to hear news. You're going to wonder, what's fake news? Stick with the word of God. It doesn't change. It'll guide you well. Let's trust the word of God. Let's have our foundation in the word of God. And God will lead us with love in our relationships. We need to love each other better. That spiritual power and love that comes from Jesus. 
And then uh, as we start to wrap up this story, you will prevail when you're abiding with Jesus. How do you prevail in the spiritual battle? Here's reassurance. When you abide with Jesus, you're going to prevail. Check out verse 20. Let's take a look at the text in verse 20. Uh, But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Jesus says there's no neutral. Are you with me? Or are you not with me? There's a strong man. That's the devil. But there's one who's stronger. And that's Jesus. The Holy Spirit in you is greater and stronger than any demon in this world. Jesus is coming in to rescue, to take over, to defeat the works of the devil, and to restore, to restore. Right now, Jesus will restore the damage the devil's done. Ultimately, Jesus will remove the devil permanently. But as he drives out demons, it's a process of restoration. And Jesus brings that restoration. Now we look forward to that ultimate Fulfilled restoration, that perfect restoration. Let's take a look at the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 20. Check out what's happening at the end of the Bible. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. There's the removal of the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Say, well, who are those three? It's kind of like a fake trinity. We have one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. At the end times, there's the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, all working together, a bad imitation of the trinity. And if you haven't heard about the Antichrist, so many places in the Bible to read, but 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I don't have time to go there right now. The man of lawlessness. Read about the Antichrist in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. But you can read about many places. Jesus is going to defeat all three and you see what happens. You see where they're going to be thrown in this lake of fire. That should bring some reassurance that the devil is a defeated foe. The devil is a defeated foe. You are not defeated. You are not defeated. In the Lord, you are not defeated. The devil is the one who's defeated. He is a defeated foe. And you say, well, sometimes I feel so defeated and the spiritual battle feels so overwhelming. Uh, Here's a picture from my office. Of course, I'm in my office less these days working from home and without watering my plant, uh, I showed up in the office and that's what the plant looked like withered, barren, dried. Do you feel like that sometimes spiritually? Like you're just um, falling down. It's hard to keep our heads up, right? Depression. And, and, and we just hear about, you know, Natalie shared so many of us, like depression, it, it kicks, it comes in like a wave and it's strong and we just feel down. We feel defeated. We forget sometimes who we are in the Lord and, and we just forget to receive from him. I was wondering, do I throw away my plant? Is it done? The plant is not finished. The plant's still alive. The plant has a hope in a future. God wants to speak a hope in a future into our lives. And, and I'm not great with plants. I, I've got one plant to take care of, and you see what I did to it. Uh, well, with plants, the only thing I really know how to do is water it. And as I just gave the plant some water, look what happened. It's coming back to life. The Bible says, wash in the water of the word. Wash in the water of the word. Start to receive the word in your mind. Start to receive the word in your soul. The word of God is powerful and God will build you up with his word. You know, 
right after Jesus heals and teaches, at the end here, verse 27, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. What a comment, you know? Wow, your mom, she is so blessed after Jesus drives out a demon. And back then they were so into ancestry and which lineage are you from? And she was trying to point out that, okay, there's a special blessing that's just in your family. Well, Jesus replied, verse 28, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. If you don't know where to start in a spiritual battle right now, open up the Bible hear the word of God, and just start to do it. Take the next step, do it. Receive it, do it. Receive it, let it sink in. Like that plant, receive the water, washing in the word, just receive, receive, and then the water starts to circulate, the word of God starts to move around in your life, and you say yes in the next step, and yes in the next step, and God starts to revive. God brings awakening. God does incredible work in the toughest times, and you'll see his power in the spiritual battle. I want to close with this uh, last verse from the story. And check out the difference between abiding with Jesus and not abiding with Jesus. Jesus teaches through contrasts. Look in verse 24. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than it was at first. Jesus, again, revelation truth that there's going to be a lot of people who are religious, but in the inside, they're empty. A lot of people who look super organized, but in the inside, empty. And as the demons cast out, if there's just emptiness that's swept up clean and it's kind of religious and just organized, the demon can come back. You think about addictions, all right? You drive th- that darkness out, but then if you don't get filled with God's word, if you don't get filled with the Holy Spirit, then there's, emptiness is not the goal. In some religions, you know, emptiness is the goal. Emptiness is not the goal in the Christian faith. The goal is to be filled, filled with the presence of God, filled with God's truth, filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to abide with Jesus be filled, his power, guard our unity, and Jesus will prevail mighty in times like this. Jesus will prevail. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up right now as we prepare to take communion together. Uh, There's a song, There is a Fountain. This is a song of hope, encouragement, that in Jesus Christ, through his blood, we have the forgiveness of sins, Uh, communion's a time to repent. Repent is a great word, very positive word. Turn 180 degrees. Communion is a time to turn from sin and turn to the Lord. Uh, Turn from rebellion and trust the Lord. Go deep with the Lord. During this song, this will be a time of reflection. So I encourage you to go ahead and grab the bread and the juice. We're all going to take it together. Communion is a time of unity. We talked about prayer. That's communion. Unity. That's communion. Love. There's no greater love than Jesus' sacrifice. This is communion. We celebrate uh, communion together as a family. This is special because we can't all be in the same room, but we can take communion together. And this is a chance to think about Jesus' body, Jesus' shed blood, and prepare our hearts. Let's turn to the Lord during the song of worship and reflection. Let's turn to the Lord and then we'll all take communion together after this song.